0: Acts chapter 16, how does God help us? How does God help us? We're gonna look at a story of where God sent a vision to the Apostle Paul of a man that said, come over and help us. What kind of help did he bring? And when God asks us to receive his help, when we're looking for God's help, what does that look like? And then later in the next week or two, Lord willing, Well, we'll consider when God wants us to grow in our faith, he wants us to become a helper. What does it mean for us to be a helper? For us to be someone who works alongside God in helping other people. We're just gonna study the topic for the next week or two, the topic of help. (laughs) Help, right? Help. How does God help us? Acts chapter 16 Let's look at verse number six. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they assayed or attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not or the Holy Spirit would not allow them to go there. Verse eight, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas Verse nine, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, or begging him, he's not praying to Paul, he's begging him, right? He's asking him, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. How does God help us? Let's look at this passage of scripture together. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word. We need you. We need your word. We need your help. I need your help. Father, you know I've studied, I've prayed. Lord, but words on a page does not a sermon make. I need your help. Lord, I pray that you would fill me and use me Help us to see and learn how you help us. Help us to be willing to be involved in serving you by serving others. Lord, if we see ourselves here in this passage, I pray that you would help us to see how we can also get help. We love you. Thank you for your goodness somebody is listening they've never trusted you as their savior i pray lord jesus that you would draw them to yourself let them see the truth of the gospel in a very deep and a very real way may they call on you for salvation jesus name i pray amen help how god helps us it's interesting if you look up the word help in the bible it's in there quite a bit God being our helper and how God wants us to be helpers of other people. Oftentimes, when we think about the topic of help, we think about the fact that there is something that we can't do by ourselves, and so we need somebody to come alongside of us and assist us. And that is certainly one of the definitions. Of the word help, where it's not as in you need a complete rescue, perhaps, but you need, just need a little bit of just need a little bit of assistance. You need somebody to come alongside you, give you encouragement. Perhaps they're they're helping you lift something. I need some help. oh I'm about to drop it. Help me, right? In other cases, it means you're completely helpless. You can do nothing for yourself, and you need somebody to really come and just take over. You need a rescue. That's also in the broad definition of the word help. God is our helper. It says in Psalm 33 in verse number 20, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 46 in verse one. What a verse this is, guys. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Let me say that again. This is one of my favorite verses. It's probably one of yours as well. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 121 verse one. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Man, don't you just... Man, those are good verses. Guys, we need help. We can't do it on our own, nor are we expected to do it on our own. Whatever you may find, whatever situation you may find yourself in, whether you're single or married, whether you're everything seems to be going fairly well, financially, professionally, or things are a bit rough, uh, in the relationships that you have in life, whether it's just personal things that you're dealing with, whatever it may be, wherever you find yourself, we need God's help. We need his help. We need his assistance. But more often than not, we really need his rescue. We need his rescue. And aren't you thankful that we serve a God that wants to be identified as one who helps? I'm here to help. He's not a God that stands afar off that says perform for me, but I'm not going to be of any help. I just expect you to do it all on your own and do it well because if you mess up, I'm going to come down in righteous wrath and I will make you pay. No, he says, I want you to call on me for help. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly Unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is so good and he's there to help. Listen, look, look at... Uh, this, this verse I just quoted, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, God loves us so much that yes, he's there to help us, but also he's there to help us find the help. To find help in time of need, to find the mercy and the help in time of need. Guys, sometimes we're so completely lost. We, we need so much help that we need help finding the help. We can't even see the help when it's being offered to us. And that's what grace is. Grace, the grace of God, the divine uh, assistance of God, his mercy that flows from him is not only that he's there to help us, let's never forget that. And let's live in that truth. Let Let us grasp onto that truth that not only is he there to help, but he's there to help us find the help. That's what circumstances in life, when God is working in the circumstances of His in, in, in the circumstances in life, that is God helping us find the help. It's not just God just wants to calm the situation in our life. He's helping us to arrive at the deeper truth, and that's what we're going to see here in Acts chapter sixteen. We're going to go back to Acts chapter number sixteen, and we're going to look at this topic of Help. Now, when we're looking at this passage, we want to keep all of this in context. In the book of Acts, I say this oftentimes. We need to be very careful. Now, the, we need to be very careful when we're looking at the dispensation or the, the the way in which God is dealing with the human race. The Acts is a transitional book, so there's many many truths that we can learn. Many, many truths that will directly apply to our life, even within this historical context. Many, many truths that we look at and say, absolutely, that is awesome. But but there are some things that we should not necessarily look for within this present age. Okay? One of those things is speaking in tongues, and that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. But I like to look at the book of Acts as kind of like moving into a new place. Right? Who hates to move? Everybody hates to move. I hate moving. One of the things that when you move, when you have to move, you have a lot of cardboard boxes. At first, it's kind of exciting, eh? I mean, you know, they're new and they're crisp and, and they're folded up super flat and you kind of like pop them, you know, and you kind of work it a little bit and get the tape, zip, 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 you know, and you've got, but after about the 10th box of zip, 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 and you're, you're done. You're over You're over it. You're over it. And then you've got to load up the truck or maybe you pay somebody to load up the truck for you. God bless anybody who has people that do it for them. Praise God, praise the Lord for that, right? Then you get into your new place, whether it's luggage or cardboard boxes, the vast majority of everything that is there is meant to stay, meaning the stuff inside. The cardboard box though, those need to go out to the bin, right? You unpack it, but you don't keep all, if you keep all of your cardboard boxes, you don't plan on staying long, right? Can we agree with that? That's the way we need to look at the book of Acts. The apostolic gifts, there are several of them. One we're going to see here in this passage. These are the cardboard boxes of Christianity. That'd be a great sermon series. The cardboard boxes of Christianity, kind of catchy, isn't it? These are the apostolic gifts. Speaking in tongues, they've passed away. Amen. Okay, uh, that, that's okay. Uh, how do you know that? Well, because the later you get into the book of Acts, the more they disappear. Kind of like cardboard boxes when you're, the more you move into your house, the more they're, they're not seen lying about. Amen. Okay. And also when you go through the New Testament and you see the church is being established with doctrine and teaching There's really only one book that talks about speaking in tongues, and that's 1 Corinthians. It's not ever mentioned anywhere else. Okay? And the other apostolic gifts, the same is true. So one of the apostolic gifts that we're going to see here, remember, when we're looking for God's help, we're not looking for a vision. We're looking for God's word. Well, amen, pastor, that's good. All right, let's look at it. Paul needed help. He didn't know where to go. He's looking to the Lord for direction. Now we have to remember, Paul was an apostle. He was a very uniquely equipped person called of God for a specific purpose for a particular season in history. And he was a prophet in that particular sense. He had had the gift of prophecy. And that's why God communicated to him in this particular way. He was able, God was able to communicate to him through a vision, okay? A vision is different than a dream, okay? And that's a whole nother topic. We're not looking for dreams either. We're looking for God to speak to us through his word. And we'll see that when we get to the people that, 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 that Paul was sent to help. But we can see here in verse number nine, it says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, I have a map here of Macedonia. Like we spoke about last week, Macedonia is like a region, okay? Not a particular province, but this is a section of what nowadays is the country of Greece. At one time, this was all parts of, parts of Greece, right? And I think Macedonia, actually right now, Macedonia is its own country, okay? Um, but at this particular time, these were, kind of, these were the Greek islands, right? All this kind of stuff. Don't you like my little pointer? Okay. <laughs> And right here, right where my thumb is, thumbs up, there's Philippi, okay? So Thessalonica would be the other Macedonian church, and then this one is Berea, or in the Bible it calls them Bereans, okay? So these are the Macedonian cities. So Paul is coming from this direction, okay? He's coming this direction, and he comes into Philippi, all right? And so the Macedonian vision, he's going into Macedonia. He was going to go the other direction. And God said, he sent him a vision. And he said, um, you need to go into Macedonia. And what was the vision? The vision was of a man of Macedonia that said, come over and help us. Now, what kind of help did he bring? We'll get into that in just a moment. But look at verse number nine. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us in verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had what? Now this is the help. This is the help that God sends. How does God help us? This is the primary, deepest, most essential help when we're asking God for help. He sends a preacher who preaches the gospel. When this lost world says, We need to help, we need your help, there are medical needs, there are needs out there for. For food, there are starving people. There are needs for world peace where countries can stop fighting one another. There there are needs for violence to stop. There are needs for discrimination to stop. There are needs and so many things. There are psychological needs, there are bodily needs, but there is something that is the deepest need that God cares the most deeply about. Does God care about helping people get food? Yes. Does God care about helping people get medical treatment? Yes. But when we reach out to God for help, the fundamental reason or the the deepest thing that God wants us to have help with is our need for a savior. And once we receive the gospel, when we ask God for help, God's primary focus in the life of the Christian is always From that foundation. It's always from the foundation of, have you received Christ as your Savior? Yes, I have. Because if you have not, that is our greatest need. We'll look at this in just a moment in more detail when we look at three different people. There's three different characters in the city of Philippi, and it's almost as if they're going about their lives and dealing with what they're dealing with. And in modern day society, we would look at their life and we would say, well, their need is this. And their need may be that. And their need is this. And yet God says, I have placed a call upon a person to come and give you a message. You see, here's the thing. When God sends, when, when, when God sends help, he always sends a messenger with a message. Yes, God can help. Whoa, my batteries just died. There we go that's okay it happens sometimes doesn't it i'm gonna take this off there it goes this thing's like undecorating the christmas tree right at the end of the season you can still hear me when god sends help he sends a message When God sends that message, you see, here's the thing about the truth of the gospel is that God himself is attached to that message. The Bible says in Luke, uh, in uh, Mark chapter number 16, Mark chapter number 16, and we studied this topic a few weeks ago with the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. Okay, it says in verse 15, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And verse number 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. When the gospel is preached, when someone needs help, God sends a messenger with the message of the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, they hear truth about their situation, but they also have God himself that accompanies that message, helping them to apply the truth and for their sins to be forgiven. And now they have all of God's promises at their disposal. And we'll see that lived out here in the lives of these three people. Look at Acts chapter 16, and we're going to find the first, the first person that gets help. The first person that we see gets help, her name is Lydia, and she's the self-help type. You know the self-help type? People that always go, I guess people don't go to the library anymore for self-help books. Maybe they do. Mostly it's a YouTube thing, right? They buy books on Amazon or something like that. It's like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find out. I'm going to help myself. I'm self-motivated. I'm self-taught. I'm self-made. I'm self, 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 self. Well, here's the thing. Is that every, and that's fantastic. It makes you a motivated person. But here's the thing. It gets to the point where you can't save yourself from your sin. And even the self-help people need help. And we can see here in verse number 12. It says, From thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. That word wont means habitually, right? That's where people habitually went or often went for prayer. And it says here, And spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, A seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. The self-help type needs help. Here's Lydia. She was outside the city at a riverside praying. We find a lady who was successful in the business world. She was dedicated. This was where prayer was habitually made. She was habitual in her self-help regiment. She had a supportive group. It says, look, look at this. It says here, where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down and spake unto the women, that's plural, which resorted thither. And it says here um, in verse 14, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So we can see here that she's, listen, she's not alone. She has a community. There are people who are dedicated and sincere who have never heard the gospel and God still wants to help them when we looked at a lady like this if we were just to look at this lady would we end this character sketch And we would not look at someone like this and think they need help would we she seemed to have her life together Wouldn't we say that? She had a supportive group. She was successful. She was a seller of purple. She had a house. She had a family. She worshiped God. She worshiped the true God. That's what it says here in verse number 14. It said, which worshiped God, capital G. So she worshiped Jehovah. But she was lost in her sin. It doesn't matter how dedicated you are. You still need salvation. We still need salvation. The deepest need that somebody has is still that we need to hear the gospel. It doesn't matter if somebody has a supportive group. And it doesn't matter if they have a family. It doesn't matter if they have a a community that they can identify with and find comfort in they still need God's help. What is that help? God sends a message. He sends the message of the cross to people who seem to have their lives put together already. Why am I saying that, Pastor? Pastor, why why, why are you going through this? Because listen, we find in this passage a large percentage of the people of Toronto. Can we agree with that? There's a lot of people here that seem to have their lives put together pretty well. Professional success. Look at all the beautiful houses. Drive through the neighborhoods. Ride the bus through the neighborhoods. It's very easy to look. Isn't it interesting? She's the first one who gets saved. Smart. Successful. She has a house. It never speaks of her husband. It says she has family. It doesn't necessarily say whether or not she has children. It says her household. Perhaps she had a husband, perhaps she had children, it doesn't say. But it's very easy to look at somebody like this and be like, well, they don't need help. They may not need help in the sense of what typically we look at someone and say, they need some help. But did she need help? When God looked at her, did he see someone who needed help? Yes, because here's the thing your success will only take you so far. Having possessions and house will only satisfy you so much. Being a dedicated, religious, and disciplined person will only bring so much. We still desperately need God's help. Dare I say some of us in this room perhaps could identify in some ways with this lady. Let us not think that because we find that we may be dedicated, that we don't need help. That if we have discipline, that we don't need help. That if we have a supportive family, that we don't need God's help. Now, remember, this is the starting point of help. We're gonna look at in later weeks where, where these same people, where God says, you need help, you need the gospel, you need to be saved, and then from that point, He says, God God teaches, you need to have a local church. You need to grow in the grace of giving. You need to grow in the grace of rejoicing. I mean, when we think about the book of Philippians, all of the book of Philippians was written in part to this lady and the others that made up of the church of of Philippi. But we can see here that the self-help type gets help. What does the world say? What's the message of the world when it comes to helping yourself? We are taught by the world the path to help starts with self. This world is obsessed with self-help, self-care, self-taught, self-improvement, self-awareness, and self-sufficiency. This is the secularized version of religion. Fundamentally, the message of this world is the same as it has always been, that you could be self-sufficient if you did this. But when you look up the name of God in the Bible, you look up the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. you find the word Jehovah. And what does the word, what does the name Jehovah mean? The self-sufficient one, the Almighty And the world is telling us this. You need to learn to become almighty. You need to learn to become all sufficient. You need to learn to become self-sufficient. I don't need nobody. I don't need anything. I can do it myself. I can self-motivate. I can self-teach. I can self-actualize. I can do everything. Self, 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 self. But the most self-made person, in their deepest part of them, is crying out for help because we are not self-sufficient and nor should we buy what the world is teaching us that we ought to be self-sufficient to the mo to the person who is the most dedicated, the most religious, the most moral, the most upstanding, the one who has a house, maybe two houses, a cottage, a wonderful car, a wonderful family. And, and we look and say, man, that, car, that, that house costs 2.5 or that, 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 boy, you know how expensive that car is. And have you seen my portfolio? Did you, d- have, have, have you seen the wonderful uh, choices that I made in the stock market and how I've been able to make wise decisions throughout COVID? It doesn't matter all that stuff because ultimately we are not self-sufficient. We need a savior. We need help. And God says to those of us, who think I need to do it myself God says no you need to look to me for your help look to the Lord for help we see the next character in verse 16 it says and it came to pass as we went to prayer in an interesting Paul there's a whole nother study but we're looking at someone who helps how does he help people How does does Paul help people? If we're going to be a helper that that labors together with God, he's willing to give people the gospel. But we also see someone who prays. We see someone who is receiving help, but we also see on the other hand, we also kind of see the sketch of a helper. And we'll look at that at another time in more depth. But a helper is somebody who is not self-sufficient. Do we see that? How do we know Paul's not self-sufficient with all of the knowledge and all of the experience he's going to prayer before we find him going to the place where other people pray so he can give them the message praise God for that but here we see he's going to prayer we see he's intentional with his prayer he's intentional with it verse 16 it came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, verse number 16 is talking about how this this particular young, young girl, damsel, means an unmarried um, and, and a young uh, girl, where she had a, a, according to the verse, she had an evil spirit or she had a demon that could uh, predict the future or tell the future. And we, we've got to understand, Satan is alive and well in this world. In the Western world, in the modern world, We choose not to think about the fact that there is an evil spirit in this world and there is the activity of evil spirits in this world. We want to define everything through science and through medical. And there is much of what's going on in the world that some people might be described as, well, that's demon possession, when in reality it really is a medical problem. That is certainly true. Okay? Not everything is a demon problem, and that's where the charismatics get it wrong, is because they want to say everything is an evil spirit. If you constantly look for spooks, then spooks are everywhere. But that's not also to say that everything can be explained by science, and I, I don't see a demon in a microscope, so, so demons aren't true. No, no, no. The Bible says they're true, so they're true. If Jesus is true because the Bible says so, then demon activity is also true because the Bible says so. Amen. Amen. So it says here in verse number 17, now let's, let's, in verse 16, let's look at this, the kind of help that this girl needs. Now we would look at this girl and say immediately, she needs help. This is what today we would look at someone who is being human, uh, human trafficking, a victim of human trafficking. Here we see a victim. We see a victim from someone, uh, a victim of Satan, let me just say this. The world, there's a lot of talk nowadays about, about, vic, about, about being a victim. And it is, it is a huge problem. And, and it's on the news. And it's on the news for a reason. Because there have, been some, there have been terrible things that have happened. But let's look in this particular girl's life. Who was behind the victimization of this girl? Well, it was those men. Well, but before that, it was Satan. Satan. Satan is always behind anything that happens and someone is victimized. Let's not forget that. So if Satan is behind the victimization, how can this girl be helped? Well, she needs to be rescued from those men. But that doesn't solve her deepest problem because Satan is still behind her victimization. She still has this spirit. And and whether or not we want to look at Again, the modern world will look at it and say, well, she's got some psychological problems. She needs therapy. That may be true. What she needs, my friend, is Jesus. I heard, I expected an amen right there. What she needs, my friend, is Jesus. Amen. She needs help. Does she need to be rescued? Yes, but fundamentally, she needs to be rescued From the chains and the temptations and the the awfulness of her broken, uh, sinful heart. And not that she's made... uh, uh, Let's look at it. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by Sue saying, the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. Now we can see here that she is... She's saying the truth. But she's doing so in a mocking manner. It wasn't helping Paul. She's mocking. We need to understand that when we are mocked for following the Lord and for believing His message, there is an evil spirit that's behind that. I'm not saying the person's demon-possessed. I'm saying there is an evil influence behind that. We have to understand there is an evil influence influence satan himself and his kingdom is behind the the mockery of the message verse 18 and this she did many days but paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit i command thee in the name of jesus christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. Now this got him in hot water. Verse 19, when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates, rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. We see the second, uh, the, first, the first victim was the self-help type or the the first person that got help was the self-help type. The second one was the victim gets help. We We must also remember... That Paul used to be the victimizer. Was he not? Mm -hmm. So we see, listen, do you see the beauty of the gospel at play? Don't miss the beauty of the gospel at play. Here is a former victimizer saved by the grace of God. Changed. By the grace of God. Here is someone who used to look for people to victimize for opportunities. He was a persecutor of Christians. He looked, he hunted them down. He stalked them. He followed them from city to city. And that's the way he used to look at people. How am I going to use my power to crush them? To to victimize them so I can elevate my status in my religion. And yet when he got saved on that Damascus road, God changed his heart. The grace of God gives you a different heart. It can change you from being a victimizer to now you are looking and trying to find victims to help. You see the difference. You see the change that God's help made in Paul's life. The last one is the jailer. The jailer needed help. We know that they got thrown into the jail. Verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, saying praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now here's a photo uh, of, it says this is the prison of St. Paul, and this is in Philippi. So if you Google for, for an image, of Philippi. This is one of the images that comes up. Whether or not we know 100%, this is the jail. This is what they show you if you go on a tour of Paul's life and they say this is where he was. Well, maybe it was there, maybe it was somewhere like that. Okay? Um, I'm pretty sure that iron gates new. I don't think that's the original. Paul's in jail. he need hey he needed help guys let's not forget the fact that because we have Jesus Christ in our life we can get so preoccupied with with the we can get so preoccupied with the fact sometimes as christians that we need help that we forget that god can help us and use some use us to help somebody else at the same time i need help and so i'm not going to help anybody else now God has enough grace and enough power to both help you and use you to help other people. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, Seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Jailer needed help. Now, before the earthquake, he wouldn't have admitted he needed help. When the earthquake, right before the earthquake, he was sleeping soundly. He had a job. He had a family. Find that later on in the passage. But because of this thing, this earthquake, the whole thing is just... Which kind of leads you to believe, I don't know if that's the actual jail or not, because there was an earthquake. I don't think that's what they look like after an earthquake. (laughs) Just saying. Anyway, he had just failed. Listen, we'll be done here in just a minute. He had just failed miserably in his profession. He was moments away from committing suicide. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because in the Roman Empire, if you were in charge of prisoners and they escaped, they would kill you. And maybe not in a nice way. So he says, I'm just going to take care of it myself. And so at least I know what I'm going to get myself into here. And I'd have to be tortured first. The Roman Empire was not known for its kindness and mercy. He was about to victimize himself. Due to this loss, nothing matters anyway. He had a family at home. And he had not even thoroughly investigated whether or not the prisoners had fled. He was about to kill, he was about to commit suicide over something that he supposed. And most people do. What did he need? He needed help. Jesus saves people from self harm pills, drugs, alcohol reckless sexual practices, testing fate through reckless behaviors, the allure of self-sacrifice. Jesus comes and he breathes the truth into that soul and he says this, what was the help? Do thyself no harm. Everybody's here. He brings the truth and presents it. And what does he say? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What can we take away from this? Our God is a God that helps. How does he help? He helps primarily through the message of the gospel. He himself accompanies the message and speaks to people as the message is given. When we consider becoming a helper, it is that primarily we are giving out the message of grace, the message of God's love for us. When we're looking for God to help us, it starts with the gospel. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.